Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm glad... Super glad that you're here and join us. I am here with my most amazing guest, Anne Laurier, and I am so excited to tell you all about her because she is a phenomenal woman. I knew this the moment I met her, but ever since then, she's just been doing more and more phenomenal things. So thank you so much, Anne, for being here today. Appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here with you, Michelle. Awesome. So give us the 5,000 feet view of who you are and what you do, or should I say the 18,000 foot view of who you are? (laughs) I'm a world record holder for the oldest person to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I am a great grandmother and I have a foundation to help underserved kids. And that's probably my chief passion in life right now is doing that. Nice. Well, congratulations on, on your new Guinness world book record. You smashed the one that you, you made when you were with me. So congratulations on that. How did it go? Oh, it was probably the most challenging thing I've done. Um, I had had a fall in the safari camp just before we started, and I'd been so careful at home never to do anything dangerous because I knew I wouldn't have time to heal. Well, on about the fifth night up, I just had this excruciating pain in my side. And I thought, I can't stand it. How am I going to do this? And I, I didn't know what to do because I said, I can't not do this. A documentary was being made. Nobody wants a documentary of a field climb, you know, And I, but I knew I had to keep breathing. So I kept breathing and the guy came and tested my oxygen and along about, I think, four in the morning and I was passing. So I got on up there. Nice. <laughs> found out I had three broken ribs. Oh, you are one of the strongest people I know on the planet. Well, it was so important to me. So many people were counting on me, and I do want to help the foundation to help all the kids with all these programs I have. Wow, that that is a special kind of tenacity. Maybe we'll have to talk about that too, because I think people today are lacking that kind of tenacity and that kind of um, conviction towards their commitments. Well, it's an interesting thing, Michelle, that every practically every successful people I've read about was persistence is one of the good qualities to have if you want to get somewhere in life. And I've always had that. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a bit about how you got it. Or was it, was it a magical thing that you had or is it just kind of bred into you? Or <laughs> I'll tell you why I'm doing the kinds of things I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. I'm a third generation philanthropist, I guess, philanthropist, I guess you could say. My grandfather gave an awful lot to charity. My nephew said he did 30000 a year for 20 years. But beyond that, he had an orphanage that he had a great interest in. That orphanage folded. He took in five orphans and brought them up. Wow. Just a sort of part of our family. And that was one of the things. Then my parents did a children's home and um, school up in rural New Mexico. When I was a little nine-year-old, I was helping to take care of those babies. And for me, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then I, I was a nanny for a professor, and that, again, kept my interest in kids alive. I, I've just done a lot of things for kids, <clears throat> and I love kids. And I just know that so many of them don't know their options. So that's one of the things. <clears throat> my organization does business as Creating Exciting Futures. One of the things we do is show the kids their options. 
then help them realize those options, live lives they love, and then stress giving back. And then, okay, I'm, I'm in it too. Then I started my foundation. And now my daughter is into philanthropy. She works with animals and uh, that kind of thing, particularly. And, yeah. and also she's great for the greenness of the planet, which I'm for too. <laughs> we like the greenness of the planet. That's awesome. yes, so tell us a bit more about the foundation, what it does, how it operates, why you love that one so much. I thought, I thought that kids just don't know their options when they're underserved. This is often true. And yet they're out there. They can be helped. I came from a very impoverished background. At some points we were homeless and that sort of thing. And so I, I know that you, you can do differently if you get a little hand. So my motto is a hand up, not a handout. And so that's what I try to do for these kids. And I right now have three major programs. One is I t- take them to CEO space. There's a program called Teen Feast. And they end up knowing how to network, knowing about brainstorming, having contacts they keep for life, and just really feeling good about themselves. Their self-esteem is terribly boosted. I've taken 10 kids to that so far. And that's a special thing I can do because you have to be a member of CEO space to invite people. So every foundation can do that. And I feel good. And no matter what they decide to do, this is a useful program. And the ones that I have, I'm just so proud of what they've done. And then um, the next thing is we have youth Toastmasters. A lot of people know about Grown-up Toastmasters, fine. You learn to speak and speak comfortably and also to be a, some, something of a leader more than you were because you take part in this. Well, the kids get to do this. Nice. Usually it's an eight-week uh, program, and they get to carry out all parts of it with the help of the uh, adult Toastmasters that are working with them. And it's amazing. I remember one little kid when he came in. He came in and he could hardly so for maybe a minute when he first came in when he came back he stood there and for five minutes he told us about what he wanted to tell us about and I was just so happy to see it and I saw it again and again with the kids doing that kind of thing another thing that I think is so important if you want not to always be on the bottom is to have financial literacy I have an arrangement with a bank that they let the kids have a very small balance account. And then they also give them some teaching. And I give them some teaching myself, just practical stuff on handling your money. I had a little mentee. And I started an account with her with with the credit union I was with. And my mother said, oh, it's no use. This money just goes through her fingers. So I said, all right, let's give it a try. So I said to her, you can't do this when you're grown and are responsible for yourself. But right now, your mother takes care of your food and your lodging and all those things. So I'm going to suggest a way to handle the money that comes to you so that you will always get ahead. So I said, Kate, let's take a dollar. Here we have a piggy bank. And I gave her that. You put that down in that piggy bank for your church and your charities. Then you take 30 cents and you just spend it and do anything you want with it. You take 30 cents and put it in as a contingency fund. In this account we've started, you take the other 30 cents and do it to save for any big thing that you want. You'll be surprised how it'll add up. 
And so ever so often she'd come back to me and she'd say, you know, and I'm, I've got this much in it. I'm doing this. So it did work. Oh, it's so cute. That is awesome. I love seeing that. When, when you start really young, it's easier when you're older to do something like my sisters come to me several times and said, you know, I'm so grateful that you taught me to pay myself first. Oh, yeah. You just put it aside what you want to have. And then you, this is what I have to live on. And I do it. So it works. That's awesome. And, and I just love to see kids be comfortable. I, I hope we don't all have to live paycheck to paycheck every month. <laughs> No kidding. I know a lot of people that do, but the whole idea is you learn how not to and you learn how to invest and not how to buy things. <laughs> and you, you actually live better when you do that because you're, you're not all the time under such stress. You know that you've got this to handle, to be handled. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's, you're putting something there for contingency. Nice. Absolutely. So how would, if people were interested in donating or participating or somehow you know, tithing to your charities, how might they be able to do that? I have a website, creatingexcitingfutures.org. And if you go there, you learn all kinds of things about me and the pro programs and then there are testimonials from the kids and other people. There is also a button where you can just very easily give any amount that you want. And any amount at all is welcome. Now, right now, one of the people that's working with me is running a one of those fundraisers for your birthday, because I'm going to be 90 years old on the 11th of June. And so she's making that a big thing, and it's going to be on Facebook and other places, and she'll have a little button where people can contribute. There are also a way that they can get in touch with people to find out if they want to volunteer. I want to expand my board and have a chairman of volunteers so that we can get people in there helping and doing the things that they love to do. Nice. So, yeah, for those of you who don't know, when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, what was that, 2015 or so? 2015, we did it, yes. Yeah, then that's when I met Anne, and uh, we had a great time going up the mountain, and it was just a phenomenal experience, and you're always a wealth of knowledge and experience and just so much fun to be around and socialize with, and I'm super excited about your birthday, so congratulations. I will definitely be participating virtually <laughs> with that, yeah. and that is awesome. And um, anything kind of else that you want to talk about that uh, would help the kids or help business people, anything at all? Well, I, I will just talk about a lot of people think, oh, you, you said I was phenomenal and all that stuff. But what I could say to people that most of us can enjoy life more if we want to. And so I have about three major things I say to people. I say, first of all, Keep yourself as fit and healthy as possible in mind, body, and spirit. And that would mean watching your, um, what you eat and, and choosing exercise that you like. I, when I went the first time, I didn't have any personal trainer. Second time, after eight months, I had a personal trainer. And I liked him. He, he let me do things I wanted to do. And if he'd given me jumping jacks, I'd run. But you know, the things I like to do, I like to walk, I like to hike, I like to swim. And he had me doing the elliptical machine and arm machines and, you know, things that I enjoy doing. So it worked well. So I'm saying, choose some exercise. Usually it's good to check with your doctor first in case you haven't been, because you don't want to start out suddenly climbing a big mountain when you haven't done anything but sit by the television. Then the second thing I say is get deeply involved in a cause greater than yourself. I mean, mine is helping underserved kids. 
because I just know that if those kids give back and they live happy lives, it can be a ripple effect that can eventually affect the whole world. And I, I'd love to see that. So people should choose what for them. My daughter is helping dogs and I'm so happy because I love dogs too. And I, I'm really happy that one of the uh, programs that I work in, a family promise, they act this transitional homeless. They actually have uh, kennels for the people because people would come to them with animals and they wouldn't take them and they'd go back out on the street. So now they have the, they keep the animals, have people watching them all. So that is the cause that somebody's in and it's great. I love the causes I'm in. And then the third thing, once you have found your focus, never, ever quit. Nice. I love that. I love that. So, and, and it brings up a few more things because I know that once upon a time, somebody said, make sure that you volunteer, volunteer your time and give back to the community and you'll get more out of it than you got into it. And I found that if it wasn't something that I totally loved and admired, I was just kind of resentful of it and went, okay, that was a waste of time. And I'm sure there's people out there like that. But when you t start talking about the kids and they're lighting up and they're on stage, I know that feeling. I absolutely love that feeling. When I started working as a mentor with junior uh, entrepreneurs, seeing them go, oh, I get it. This is awesome. That's when I lit up and I was like, oh, okay, I'm hooked for life now. This is, this is awesome. So I know you love kids from when you were younger and bringing them in, but was there something special that we went, yeah, that's, that's my thing. That's why I want to be with them. Well, I'd like to back and say one thing. Another yep. thing that our program hopes to do is have mentors that after the kids come so on such a high from their teen feast, that there's somebody to stay with them for at least a year to, to interact with them. But I, I did tell you about my own background, which involved me with kids when I was a nanny for the professor when I was in grad school, these kids, they amazed me. They'd come to me, the little old three-year-old would talk about Ferraris and Maseratis and Lamborghinis and, <laughs> and, and then I'd go home and a, people, a person that went in the church that my mother went to, uh, they were twin boys, smart little kids. When I went into that home, the whole house was no bigger than the professor's living room. And I didn't see a single book in that house. I mean, I thought, you know, somebody's got to level this playing field. Oh, absolutely. Nice. So tell me a bit about that too. It are, is reading books still a thing or are kids going online and on their devices and things and reading or is it still kind of, because I remember as a little kid, my favorite thing was to curl up in my dad's lap and he'd read stories to me and I thought they were awesome. And even though I couldn't follow them <laughs> for the longest time. It's like, I don't know how you get that magic off that page, but that is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, there are still kids that read and still librarians that encourage them. And I'm really happy. I've heard about a program where kids read to dogs. You know, when they're shy kids and they, and they don't know much about reading. And so it kind of gets them involved and gets them a little freer. I'd love to see that kind of program in the libraries here. Oh, absolutely. That's super cute. And there are people like David Baldaki has a, a program, uh, what is it, Wish You Well Foundation, where he stresses literature and literacy. And I'm, I'm happy to see people uh, read. I, I like it myself better than anything. And... So I would encourage that with kids. But on the other hand, if they do it online, I'm certainly not going to put that down. Anything <laughs> that keeps them involved and, and learning about other things. 
somebody once asked me what my most important characteristics are. And I thought, okay, I'm adventuresome, I'm caring, I'm curious, and I'm persistent. So all of those things, whatever one of them the kid has, that kid can learn to capitalize on. And Absolutely. I just think one of my, the kids that I took to Teen Feast, when his big, his big brother recommended him, he said, mm, oh yeah, well, you know, I'll, I can apply, but my family never wins anything. Oh. I thought that was sad. And fortunately we did select him. He went, he had a wonderful time. He had cooked since he was six years old and wanted to be a chef and have his own restaurant someday. So he and, and a couple of other kids sat there and brainstormed a fusion restaurant. Wow. And, I mean, people don't know about brainstorming unless somebody teaches them and they don't know about networking. And so one of the people, that, the person that actually helped me start my foundation was there and she was supporting the kids. She told them that there are grants for services in underserved areas. So here's, here's a strong possibility for these kids and she would certainly help him do it when the time gets ready. Right now, he's working in restaurants, learning what you need to learn. Well, his big brother called me after about, I think, six months or a year and he said, well, you know, um, Jay graduated high school. And I thought, he said, Jay is the first person in his family ever to graduate high school. Nice. The whole family was there and they were so proud. I just felt, you know, we're doing something. Here's a kid that didn't know he had potential and, and he's going to know it now. Oh, that's fantastic. That is super cute. Well, and I noticed you have a, a tendency with all of your philanthropy to to teach kids more on the entrepreneurial side of things. Is there, a, is there a reason for that? Or is that just kind of coincidence or? Well, I, I think that's a better way to get out than simply be an employee. I was an, sort of a little entrepreneur for the time I was born, I guess. I remember going out and uh, selling a little, uh, little newspaper to the people in my church. I one time, there was a knife that my brother had to sell and he's selling it for a dime. So before I bought it, I checked with my sister to be sure she'd buy it for a quarter. <laughs> my mother nice. was serious at me, but I, I just did things like that. And I, I wrote and a, a, won a, a, a contest for a little uh, essay when I was 15 years old. It was, a, it was a national contest, it wasn't a big one, but I won it. And, you know, I did things always. And always, I was the one that thought up the things to do. And I was lucky. I was a thinker and my brother was a doer. So I thought up um, games to play. We had, at one time, my, my father bought a quite a sizable piece of land in Arizona. That's why we were homeless and we were living in it on a tent just in a tent on that property. Oh, pretty, pretty drastic, you know, dirt floors and no electricity or running water or telephone or anything. But we had little buildings here and there and things going on. And so I turned that into Nickeltown. And I, oh my, I was it. I was the mayor and I was the doctor and I was the nurse and I was the chief of police. 
Oh, we awesome. had such fun playing all those things that kids used to come over from the neighbors to play with us sometimes doing that. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I always was a, a person that was an idea person and a person that wanted to have little businesses. When I was teaching all those years, I usually had some, I had some property and I some property on the side. And I did other kinds of things. I've done some of the uh, pyramid scheme kinds of things as well, not too successfully, but it's helped, you know. And I've always believed that you can, you can do more. You work hard for yourself. I've always tried to work as hard for everybody else as I have for my own business because I believe in that. That's my philosophy. But I think most people would not, they would prefer to work harder for themselves. Nice. And I'm assuming you don't really mean a pyramid scheme scheme. <laughs> I'm well, you I, mean multi-level businesses. I figured that's what you meant. <laughs> I, I guess that's not the right word. Yeah, you don't seem like the kind of person to be involved in a <laughs> pyramid not, scheme. Not anything that is dishonest. And I do like the philosophy of a lot of people nowadays, Michelle, who say that when you're selling you're really not wanting to push things. What you want to do is find what the person needs and supply that need. And mm -hmm. I believe that's better for you and better for them. I don't like the kind of people. I, I went to somebody recently that I just felt like was pushing, 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 pushing. And then when you, if you signed, you couldn't get out of it no matter what you did. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Think about your customers. You want to help them. And if you want to help them, then they're going to want to give you a lot of business. Absolutely. And a lot of referrals and a lot of their clients. <laughs> and, and business, you know, when you come up with something new, they'll come back to you because they can count on you. Nice. Well, I usually ask people, at what point did you realize that you're a special kind of crazy that you had to be an entrepreneur? And when do you think that might have been for you that you knew you had to have kind of the side gig going on? Michelle, I think that's just always been with me. I never thought of it as being crazy. I just thought it was a <laughs> sensible thing to do. <laughs> my my father mostly was, you know, on his own rather than working for other people. Mm -hmm. And it's just something we did. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, I, I knew a lot of kids that weren't very well off when I was young. And I loved to see them helped in any way. So that's particularly, I think, why I wanted to help them. All of my background sort of made me feel that what I, I want to help underserved kids of any kind, but particularly homeless, foster, and orphan children. All of that's part of my background. One thing that helped me very greatly, I had a second grade teacher who was pretty fond of me. And when I got ready to go to high school, I wasn't going to get to go. And she came up with the tuition for my uh, pro, uh, for a boarding school in California. Wow. It was a wonderful thing. And of course, I felt that I have to give that back. You know, you've got to pay that forward. And it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to have happen. And that's how I felt all my life. I've been helped by teachers, particularly teachers. And so I felt my, my program would, would work with the teachers and connect the kids with the mentors as well. So that they, they can do what they want to do with their lives. You know, there, there was a saying by... Uh, Henry Thoreau, that the majority of men lead, lead lives of quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessary. Not at all. Certainly don't think it's desirable. <laughs> you I certainly... Mean, Go ahead. I, I was just saying, I, I want the kids to find the things they really love, because you do so much better at things you love. Oh, absolutely. In your recreation and your 
your, your health fitness program, the, in the work you do, whatever. Try to find something that really lights you up. Nice. I love that. And we see how the kids light you up and we want to be able to participate in that and play with that because I know as an entrepreneur, the more you can find that light in that joie de vivre, the easier it is to kind of get up in the day, get excited and go, yay, I get to have a meeting with Anne today and yay, I get to go and do this today. And it just becomes so exciting and fun and you just want to do the thing because it's fun. If you have the most fascinating life, well, I think well, I'm ever. I'm going to be doing some more things, Michelle. I'm hoping to go to Machu Picchu. I was going to do it this year, and I can't because of the situation. But yep. I'm still planning. Well, I guess I'll be 91 instead of 90 when I do it. And I want to do a, a leap from an airplane. You know, I've never done that. And I wouldn't do it while I was coming up in case I should hurt myself. I couldn't afford to be broken up. And I was anyway. It wasn't nice for the climb. <laughs> and I want to do Grand Canyon rim to rim. I've done it down, up and down, but I've never done it rim to rim. And I'd like to do that. So there's things I still will do. And I'd like to do some hiking on the Appalachian Trail. I've done a little, but I'd like to do more. And then there's the Pacific Coast Trail. So a lot of things have to be worked out. But first of all, got to get that foundation with somebody that the executive director is really running it. So I can go do the kinds of things that will get attention and that I surely enjoy. <laughs> that is so awesome. So how do you come up with your goals and go, hey, yeah, I think I want to go and... <laughs> Like, to, well, to go I mean, parachuting at 91 seems a little, uh, wow. Kevin, awesome. you remember Kevin climbed with me and he actually climbed with me a second time. Mm -hmm. So Kevin, Kevin that went with you, yeah, you know, he, he, he works with a diving club. He, and so he, he jumped with them and, and I thought I'd like to do that. It would be great fun. The ones you do when you're not familiar is somebody goes with you. They just sort of hold you as you go down. Yep. But you still have a problem, and so I didn't want to work, get do anything to get me so I couldn't make that climb. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, it was so important because I, I, did, I do think my cause is fabulous, and I, I want people to know about it, to be in there. Oh, um, absolutely. So that, that's what that was about. And so there's just always things. And if you keep your eyes open, now I'm having a drive-by birthday party on the 6th of June. Awesome. And I'll never have another one like that. And the reason we do it is because a lot of people are still not comfortable coming together. And yet they wanted to help me celebrate. So this is what we're doing. And we'll have a souvenir for them and there'll be uh, balloons and I don't know what all, but, and, and I'm going to have somebody do a picture of it just so that the people that don't get to come get to see it. Just nice. do a little uh, short film about it. He's oh, the speaker demo film. Oh, I didn't show you and I might as well as we're here. I have a speaker one sheet. Oh, nice. And it's a really kind of fun. And uh, so I am going to be doing, I hope, a lot of speaking to talk about the organization, get people interested, volunteers, and get people to contribute and all that kind of thing. Nice. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you. So you, do you have a bureau or something that you registered with? or? I'm not registered with anyone yet. Uh, okay. Miss Debbie Allen, and she has, has done a lot of speaking internationally as well as nationally. Mm -hmm. So I'm working with her, and that doesn't mean I won't join somebody later because I really, I have a story to tell, and people would like to hear it. And I'd you like certainly. To so where can if people want to get you on their stage or interview you or whatever, how would they get a hold of you to do that? On creatingexcitingfutures.org, there is a page that says speakers, and that tells you. There's also more about me. There's a media kit for people that want to publicize what they're doing more, that kind of thing. So, it's a pretty extensive 
website and people might as well look at it and take advantage of it. I just found something really strange, Michelle. If people really are interested in me and my cause, if you Google me, you Google Ann Lorimore, it's amazing what comes up. Nice. I looked at it last night and there were pictures of me from when I was a little girl. You know, you ask how you get started with things. Oh, and that's okay. My father built something called a house car. It's, it's what you'd have as a motorhome today. And we traveled around in that quite a while before we got old enough to be in school. And so there's a picture of that with, with my mother and father and me in that. And Fun. I sort of liked it. It had a, I had a little bed that let down from the wall, like in a Pullman almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And when it let down, it had a little uh, bars that came in front of it that strapped in. I just felt so safe in that little bit. <laughs> Nice. Before we had the homeless stage. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, there were just lots of interesting things, and a lot of them are in there, and they're talked about. Nice. A homeless stint on 10,000 acres. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ours was on eight, eight oh. acres. It, it was a war, and you couldn't build, you know. Oh. So it was, it was, we might have done better if it hadn't, and we did eventually build. And I've been back there to the, the building's still there, and it's still operating as um, school and church. They built wow. a church beside it. So they, they want me to write about what I remember about that time. So maybe I will. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a documentary is being done. Oh, no. Tell me. Three people traveled with me, the, the photographer, the sound man, and the producer-director. And she's over there working on it. We got a little slowed down because she got extraordinarily busy. There was some exciting projects and also the fact that we can't meet each other because of this pandemic thing but that's coming and I'm working with someone on a book that will be called climbing for change overcoming challenges on the way to the top nice use my mountain as a metaphor my life yep oh that's fantastic lots of things are going on I'm not doing them as fast as I like and I don't have quite the stamina I used to have but I still do pretty long oh, days please you can climb an 18,000 foot mountain with three broken ribs <laughs> can I correct you 19,341 let's give ourselves every single foot we did it <laughs> exactly nice that is awesome oh and I was gonna say tell me a bit more why couldn't you build a house on land because it was, it was wartime and there were no materials available. You couldn't hitch into water. We, we had a neighbor that we got water from. We just paid him a little and used the water in his yard. And everything was very tough. We had rationing. You, you people don't know anything about that, probably, but we, we had it. Gas rationing, meat rationing, other kinds of food rationing, flour, I think, all kinds of things. Oh, Lee. And, and how many years did that go on for? Well, most, it went on through most of the war, and our war only lasted about, what, what did it go from, what was only about four years, wasn't it? There, yep. The war in Europe went on much longer. I think they started in 39, but ours was only about four years, 41 to 45. Only four years living on the land with no house. Well, <laughs> this was Arizona. <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't stay there that whole time. We were able to move into someone else's house when they moved away and so we did that for a while it was just it was a short period the reason I tell it is I think that I know what homeless people will go through and and when I got ready to go to nursing school I, I received a full ride scholarship and I had been feeling so just rootless it, you know footless nobody no nothing I, I, I had gone to help my mother because she had the last baby 
And then I was going back and I didn't have the scholarship and I, and I thought I'd failed when I took the test. It was hard. <laughs> I thought apparently I did very well. I got the full ride scholarship. But nice. anyway, when that happened, that time, and I heard the word that, yes, I had my scholarship, I could go. And I wrote in my front of my journal, I said, um, looks as if this will be the address for the next three years. Laos Deo! Because I just felt like I was totally without any place to go. So I, I felt good there. That was one of the real, really good times I had. I had some interesting, interesting things. My, my daughter's got me on something called, oh, what is it? A story worth. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to write something every week and they bind that into a book. And, and so she's asked a lot of the questions and they've asked some of them. And one of them they've asked me now is, did you ever win anything? Well, my life's been full of wins. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't feel the way that Jay did when he said, you know, our family never wins anything. So that'll be fun. That's the one I'm working on this time. The one before I worked on was the most memorable day of my life. And wow. So they're, they're fun. And, that is very fun. Well, I won't break the secret on that one. I'll wait until the book comes out. <laughs> well, right. But it, the stuff will be useful for the, uh, for the documentary and for the book we're writing as well. I'm sure there'll be stuff that we can draw on from there and expand it and do whatever we want to do. Excellent. You are the most ambitious, vivacious woman I think I know, and I can't believe. <laughs> hey, you're turning 90. That's so awesome. It, as they say, 90 is just an age. Yeah, it's just a number. I get that. And my brother said uh, something else. He said, you know, getting old is the pits until you consider the alternative. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay, go on and enjoy life as long as you can. Do as much good as you can. Exactly. Well, everybody was uh, saying, what am I going to do for my 50th? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to be celebrating all year long. <laughs> <laughs> My sister climbed Machu Picchu. She was up there on her fifth day. Nice. So I'm going to. I really am. (laughs) Nice. That's fantastic. Well, and my son was just in Peru and he said he loved it. It was fantastic. He's got tons of pictures that he posted and he said it was an awesome, awesome hike. So I know you will love it. One of my neighbors went, but he he cheated. He went up in a bus and a train. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do it. want to do the real thing yeah absolutely awesome well i'm super excited to find out more about your books and all sorts of stuff so i will get this out we launch on uh tuesday on the 9th um so it'll be up then and i'll make sure that i get you the links and all that kind of fun stuff so you can share oh, and i didn't tell you that debbie allen wrote a book called success is easy and she's given me a whole page of that and i'm pretty flattered about that nice I've been in success profiles. She got the cover, but I was in one recently. That they gave me, I think, a couple of pages of it. So nice things are happening. Oh, that's awesome! Congratulations. Thank you. That's huge. Nice, awesome. Yeah. And any last parting words for us? Well, I've already suggested the three things I think you can do to get where you want to go. I, I might take just a little parting word and say, some say people say, oh, the whole thing's easy for Anne. She's so fit and healthy. There are a lot of things you don't know about me. I, have, I am a cancer victor, and that's more than a survivor, for more than 30 years. Nice. I have osteoporosis, and I work with that all the time, trying to keep myself as strong as possible. People who are thinner tend to have that kind of a problem. I have a replacement shoulder 
and it, I don't let it stop me in the least, but it's there. And I have a, uh, an ankle that was broken so badly that they put 13 pieces of metal in it to stabilize it when it was healing. I'm just saying anything's possible. Don't, don't think that because, oh, I have this, or I have this, I can't do it. If you want to do it, just figure out a way to do it and live the life you love and then go out and share with society. Nice. I love that. Love, love, love that. Well, thank you again, Anne, for your time. I appreciate it immensely. I will have the links that Anne was mentioning posted on the side of this. If you are listening to this anywhere where you're not seeing the post, maybe you're driving in your car, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog, and we will have all of that information for you. So again, thank you, Anne, for your time. You're absolutely incredible, as always. And this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us. If you know anyone that would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like to discuss, reach out at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.